Hi there. Welcome to the Kessler Law Firm podcast. I'm Michael Kessler, and I've been a criminal defense attorney on Florida's Treasure Coast for over 30 years. I hear from lots of people, sometimes lawyers, that criminal cases can't be won. I found that most of the time that's not true. On today's podcast, I'm joined by my good friend and fellow criminal defense attorney, Cliff Barnes. Cliff's been a lawyer in Florida since 1981. He's tried everything from littering through capital homicide cases, uh, and he spent some time as one of our county judges. Cliff, you hear people say cases can't be won. How many times have you heard that? Lots of times, and I've said it myself and been wrong. Can, can you tell us about an example of one of your cases that people said couldn't be won until you did? I, I will be happy to tell you. This is a case that uh, I had for probably 11 months, maybe 13, 14 months. And I said it couldn't be won until the night before trial, literally the night before trial, because I had no defense, no legal defense. I tell think us about that, it. Yeah. I think as lawyers, we get caught up in uh, the law, what the law requires. Each crime, as you know, has elements, one, two, three, four, maybe four elements. Um, So when a case comes in, we want to take the facts that we assume to be true or we most are sure that are true. And we want to compare them to the law. Does the, do these facts meet the criteria that the legislature set out for a conviction under this statute? And so many times as lawyers, uh, we look at it and we go, whew, guilty as sin. He's, uh, you know, all the elements are met. There's plenty of evidence on each element. And what the hell am I going to do? Uh, My favorite case, uh, like I said, I had that feeling the entire time. I probably, I don't think I took depositions. I didn't do much investigation because there really wasn't anything to be done. Uh, So you ask, what kind of case is that, that you had no defense and you had no uh, reason to investigate? No pretrial motions, just absolutely nothing. I was a mouse until the morning of trial. It was a case that all the state has to do is prove the event happened, which is a strict liability crime. My case was a young man who had uh, taken over his father's uh, longtime auto dealership. And it was during the one of our recessions during my lifetime. And he failed to make his uh, state tax payments when he sold each car. Uh, Under the law, it's strict liability. Under Florida law, tax money becomes the property of the state as soon as the merchant collects it. Exactly. And the merchant is simply a trustee. And uh, nowadays, they take it at the sale because it's all wired here and wired there. But back then you had to, after each week or month, I think it was a month, you had to fill out a paper form and send a check showing 
uh, each sale and how much was collected because you collected and kept it in your bank until you remitted it to the state of Florida. So this young man would sell cars uh, and instead of making tax payments with the tax money, he would keep his business afloat. He would keep his employees working, uh, paychecks coming in. Uh, he would make interest payments at the auto dealer. All, all uh, auto dealers require when they send cars out to an independent dealer, they have to make interest payments if they don't sell them. And back then, he was selling gas guzzlers during one of the uh, recessions caused by high gas prices. So, so in the eyes of the law, this young man was treating the tax money that he had collected as if it was his general revenue and he was paying his bills with it, his company's bills with it. And when he could, he would gather money together and send another tax payment, but he missed, I believe it was 16 months of tax payments and that amounted to a lot of money over probably 10, 11 months. Uh, maybe more than that, maybe two years, it's been a while. Um, and so the Florida Department of Revenue filed felony charges. Our prosecutor here was prosecuting them. And um, I literally had no defense. They had all the proof that he sold the car, all the proof that he collected the money from the buyer, all the proof that it had gone into his bank account. And the state didn't have any uh, tax receipts for those months. So that's 16 felony counts of five-year felonies. So this young man was in danger of going to prison for quite a while if you didn't find a way to win. Exactly. And I had no way to win, no legal way to win. But the night before trial, I had a few too many drinks. And I'm trying That's to feel trial lawyers do. <laughs> more out of being depressed that I had a trial the next day where I had no defense. So um, I started thinking about it differently. Instead of thinking like a lawyer, I started thinking about it totally differently, trying to think if I were on the jury, what it would take for me to find this young man not guilty on 16 felony counts. All of a sudden it dawned on me that he had a life story to tell. I had to humanize him as you know, and every good criminal defense lawyer knows, juries don't always do what's legal. They do what they think is fair and is close enough to the law as they're willing to, to, to make it. And they and try I, to do what's right. And I had to make it so that they didn't want to follow the law. I had to make it so that they valued this young man, his past and his future more than they valued uh, 16, um, uh, missed tax payments. And so, so how did you do that? <laughs> it's the, been the, probably the miracle of my career. Um, that night I thought about what can I do to humanize him? I didn't even particularly like him as an individual, but he was a handsome young man. He was photogenic. Uh, he was gentle. He was quiet. And his father had been this boisterous, over-the-top, pound-on-the-car-hood uh, car salesman that everybody on the jury would have heard of. Um, it's a one-owner cream puff. I'm, you know, bring out the monkeys. I'm selling it now. That was his dad. Well, he was exactly the opposite. And 
I thought about how his father had dumped this in his lap. And at the same time, the father had dumped uh, the care for his own mother, my client's grandmother, in his lap. So she's dying of cancer. And my boy is taking care of the auto dealership because the dad fled to the mountains because the place is going under. And he fled to the mountains because he didn't want to take care of his cancer-stricken mother anymore, his wow. own mother. And my young man had been trying to juggle both of these responsibilities and had kept these young people employed at his dealership and had taken care of the mother. I had proof of all of that, not that it was relevant in the least, but it went to humanize him. And uh, he... I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it actually made some payments after some of the mispayments. So he, it was obvious that he wasn't stealing from the state. He just wasn't giving them the money when they desired it, when they wanted it. So uh, morning of trial, all of a sudden I'm feeling great. And I just unleash on the jury in void ire against the government, the evil government. And I asked uh, jurors, as you know, in St. Lucie County, we have this big void eye room where you have maybe 30, 40, I don't know, what do you think, 50 or 60 jurors sitting out there? Before COVID. Yeah, before COVID. Um, butt to butt, cheek to cheek, elbow to elbow. And I started asking jurors after the state, of course, goes first, can you follow the law? Thank you. Sit down because he didn't need anything else. He had his case one before he started. But I started talking about how hard it is to run a small business and asked for a show of hands of people who had small businesses and and how hard is it? And then I would go through each of their stories with them. And some of them were quite emotional about uh, all the government regulations, the government taxes they had to pay, local, state, federal unemployment taxes, employment taxes, um, tax penalties, you name it. I had like five or six people give really firsthand accounts of uh, the horrors of running a small business in today's world. Back then, that was 20 years ago. So in that, there, that world too, it was hard to run a business. Uh, all the red tape, all the just the hours you spend just satisfying the government with forms. Um, so that was great. I started getting all of that. And, uh, and of course, like you always do, I use the word government, 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 prosecutor, prosecutor, government. Um, and I let them know very clearly that this young man is on trial for trying to keep a business afloat, trying to pay taxes as had been paid for 25, 30 years without skipping a beat by his dad and then by him and reminded them that he would be paying taxes in the future. After all this is over, he's not trying to steal. He's just trying to gain time to keep his employees employed, to sell some of those cars and make it right with the state of Florida. So prosecutor didn't object to anything. He was so sure he had his case one. He just let me go on and on. Uh, and then I really unloaded on the jury in opening statement where I did nothing but humanize the client, talked about the dying grandmother, and I had a woman on my jury panel 
start to sniffle. She started crying during my opening statement. First time and last time that ever happened. But I felt like, wow, I am making some progress here. And um, as it turned out, the, uh, I showed that the uh, revenue agent, no one likes revenue agents, and you call, you'd have to call them that every time, the revenue agent, had been promoted. She'd been in the business so long, at, or the government agency so long, that she started out as a secretary. I mean, like just a typist. And had worked her way up through nothing but uh, seniority into a tax collector position. And she kept a worse file than I did. On the jury stand, she found one of the tax payments that he was charged with. <laughs> her file, when she opened it up, I asked to, to show it to the jury. The judge let me. And I walk along the bench showing the jury this looked like my criminal case files just jammed with papers from years and years and nothing's organized. It's all jammed in there. And lo and behold, if I didn't pull out as I'm walking on the jury, uh, uh, one of its tax payments that had, she had overlooked, there was a receipt right there. And if that didn't win the case, you know, that something won the case, but I think it was more humanizing and then just showing how the government is cold, callous, uh, could care less about all of us as individuals. Uh, and all they cared about was the technicality of per, uh, sending this kid to prison because he was trying to pay his tax payments, but he couldn't. So after all of the evidence, of course, you know, we get our closing arguments, closing statements. And um, I reminded the jury, of course, that uh, one of the charges the judge had dismissed because it had been uh, resolved in open court that he had actually paid that month. But I then walked them through his personal conditions that I've already illustrated. I walked them through how many months and how many years of tax payments this business under his father and himself had paid the state of Florida. I reminded them that they were Florida taxpayers and that if they found him guilty, he would never make another tax payment to the state of Florida. He would be a ward of the state. Um, and so uh, in my final closing back then, we got two closings, as you know. I took a penny and I walked along the jury box and I put the penny down on the jury, uh, the, the, the hardwood there right below the jury. And I said, look at this penny. Not one of these did my client intend to deprive the state of not one penny? He meant to catch up and pay every dollar he owed as they had been doing for 30 years and as he intended to do for the next 30 years. And then I sat down. So I thought that was, uh, that was an important um, way to drive home that the state was actually trying to put someone out of business who was and will be a valuable taxpayer because they had fallen into hard times in a recession. So it doesn't have to be these facts, but if you like your client or love your client or can find redeeming things about your client and bring them out to a jury, juries often will reward you and reward your client by uh, 
then being way more receptive to your legal argument. So I got to hear 16, we the jury, find the defendant, and then they would read out the count in great detail, not guilty. And the prosecutor who had told me I didn't know when I was getting my ass whipped, I said, I'm getting my ass whipped? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, I said, I had a lady crying in opening statement. I said, you have no clue as what's going on in the courtroom, dude. Well, every not guilty, it took a long time, as you know, to read 16 counts in full. And then we, the jury, find the defendant and then they name him not guilty. That takes a long time. And he just slunk down each, each count read off. He would slink slink farther down in his nasty little chair. And uh, so there was a case that I won that was totally unwinnable by any lawyer anywhere in the world. But when I stopped thinking about being a lawyer and just focused on what's right, what's just, what's the American way, fairness, boom, that's what the jury focused on. You know, that's the kind of thing that years of experience teach us that it doesn't matter how a case looks on paper. Cases don't play out in the courtroom the way they look on paper. And a criminal trial is not a law school exam. No, sir. No, sir. And I think that's why we're so lucky to have juries in this country. We are. They, they, they did what was right. And it's not like you pulled a fast one on anybody. You all The reason the prosecutor didn't object to you is because everything you were telling the jury was true. Absolutely true. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate your joining us today. Uh, okay. Cliff, is a, Cliff is a valuable member of the Kessler Law Firm. And uh, Cliff, if you're willing, we'll have you as a guest again. Oh, yeah. I got a few more in my pocket. That's just Terrific. the most exciting one. Thanks a lot. Thank you. thank you. Thanks for joining us today on the Kessler Law Firm podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube, please click the subscription button so you will know when our new episodes of our podcast are available.